Hi, I'm Sammy Shulman. I'm Josh Siegel. I'm Yoni Proust. And I'm Aaron Kirkpatrick. And welcome back to The Floater. Today is Tuesday, May 12th. And this is a significant day for us to be doing this podcast for one very specific reason. And that's that one of, you know, definitely one, in my opinion, a top 15 small forward of all time. I might have him higher rated than some of you guys. Kawhi Leonard, it's the anniversary of his shot against Philly. Oh, good for and him. So, yeah, it's it's a nice day to be doing our top 10 all-time small forwards. Yeah. So that's the little non-sequitur I had for uh, for the beginning of today's pod. As always, make sure you guys check out floaterpod.com for all the articles that have gone up. Josh wrote a nice one yesterday. I Thank believe you. AP is writing one today. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah. Instagram at the floater pod. And other than that, let's get into it. All right. Uh, so this is a very deep position. Yeah. Um, just for starters. Josh, um, you had honorable mentions, I assume. Yeah, I have seven. I, I honorable, did too. Yeah, I have seven oh, honorable seven mentions. Minutes. Yeah, that's normal. So in no particular order. My honorable mentions are Carmelo Anthony, Grant Hill, Chris Mullen, Bernard King, Paul George, James Worthy, and Dominique Wilkins. Okay. I don't have anything against that. Um, I don't I don't know if Paul George to me belongs with those names. That's my one thing. Yeah, but I debated, other than but that. He spent enough well, to time. To me, it should as... have been like he was 17 and then you had six honorable mentions, if that makes sense. Yeah, I just put guys I thought it wasn't in any particular order. Yeah, okay, so my five honorable mentions are also in no order. Uh, Chris Mullen, Adrian Dantley, Paul Horizon, James Worthy, and Dominique Wilkins. Yeah, um, yeah. I, had, I had four. I'll say I, they're in no order just like you guys. I had Grant Hill, Dominique Wilkins, Carmelo Anthony, and James Worthy. Yeah. I didn't have any honorable mentions. All right, so should we get into our top tens? Yeah. yeah, I'll start with my number 10, who is Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, mine too. Um, because for, like, I thought I was going to end up going with Dominique Wilkins in my top 10, but the bottom line is Kawhi's a two-times finals MVP. And, like, I understand he doesn't play a lot in the regular season, but at, at the same time, there's a hand, only a handful of guys in NBA history who have been two-times finals MVPs. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just the fact that he doesn't have the regular season success, that's why he's just low. But maybe by the time he retires, he'll – be you know top seven yeah 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 so i i actually had Kawhi one higher than this at 10 i had paul pierce wow. oh i had um, paul pierce nine so yeah yeah so i just feel like the reason i did that is and i'm including pippet on this list just because of like the bulls don't win without him which is i feel like there are nine small forwards who have really been a best guy on a championship team and sort of pierce is the best of the next list where Garnett was clearly the guy on that team and the best guy, but Pierce was about as good a number two as you can get, and he's consistently a clutch player and a great player, and I really have nothing against him. It's just I don't know if he could have carried the team to a title the way Kawhi did. I had it the opposite way. I had the same way as Sammy, Kawhi Leonard 10, Paul Pierce 9. Um, I think kind of what Sammy talked about where he said why yes he has the two times finals mvp but he doesn't play as much in the regular season knocks on him is kind of where i also went with my thinking I mean, pierce also just has so many clutch moments like yeah. it's not like Kawhi has him outdone even with that shot 
I right. Mean, it's, I, it's I'm throwing not, games I'm not, buzzer reader, but right. Well, I'm we, not, I'm not Josh and I know more than most how how clutch ball players can be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I I, I witness in firsthand <laughs> the clutch. And that's of and that's players. arguably the third most clutch shot he had all series. That's just yeah. how good of a series it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I had Kawhi at ten. I, I did. I had Paul Pierce at eight. Yeah, gone higher though. Celtics fan yeah. alert. Yeah, I think Paul Pierce at eight is a little high. I think. Wait, even... so who did you have at nine then, Yoni? Rick Barry. Yeah, Rick Barry. Yeah, because I had him at eight. I yeah, have him at eight too. I have him at eight. Yeah, I think our lists are going to end up looking similar. Yeah, I think there's a decent chasm between Rick Barry and. Kawhi Leonard than Paul Pierce. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, oh, yeah. The, but the interesting thing is, I'd also say there's a big chasm between seven and eight. Rick Barry stands alone. Yeah, I agree. Just the way it ended up going. Yeah, I mean, I mean Rick Barry, he would he like he was an incredible player. Something that hurt him is that he went to the ABA in the middle of his career, and it was one of the stupidest career moves of all time because he went to the ABA to play for an Oakland team because his father in law was the coach. But then the next year, they fired his father-in-law and moved to Virginia, so he had to move cross-country, and eventually got himself traded to the Nets. But he wound up wasting a lot of his career in a second-rate league, which hurt him. So he has five career All-NBA first teams and four All-ABA first teams. So if he had played his whole career in the NBA, he could look be looking a little higher. Also, fun fact about Rick Barry, he played the entire 1976 season with a wig. Why? Do you know why, or just you I've know. I've heard that story. That's yeah. a book of basketball. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just because he didn't have a lot of hair and social media didn't exist then. Yeah, um, if if he did that now, <laughs> it would memes. it would be incredible. Can I give a Rick Berry fun fact? Yeah, sure. Um, in 1970, he actually played for the Washington Capitals. Yeah, which and I know what you're thinking, but no, not the hockey team. Yeah, it was the ABA team. Yeah, yeah. he also. He decided to stop shooting in Game 7 of 1976 Western Conference Finals because he hated his teammates. That's a true story. Yeah, Rick Barry. What else can you say about him? Yeah. Great player. Kind of. Did, I, I called him, you know, I told you I think he's the like first great scorer at the small forward position. Yeah. But he's also the first great diva at the yeah. small forward position. Another a weird Rick Barry stat that I found is that so we talk about whether players back then could have could have worked with the three point line, and with Rick Barry, it's a very mixed bag because he 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 played in the ABA, which had a three point line, and in the regular season for his career, he was consistently in the low twenties or high thirties, but for his career in the playoffs, he shot over forty percent from three. So it's I found that to be kind of odd. Rick Barry has the clutch gene. That's all it is, Josh. One other thing about Rick Barry is that when he was drafted in 1965, the Warriors had the first two picks in the draft, like the real draft, not like the territorial picks. And they took Rick Barry second, and they took somebody named Fred Hetzel first, who, uh, let's just say, did not exactly pan out. And that's one of the worst number one picks of all time. Was Was Fred Hetzel a white center? Yeah. Probably. Uh Fred Hetzel, probably. Yeah. No, I, white I, power forward. Oh. Right. Well, Close yeah. enough. Come on, Josh. Yeah. He's a but, white, he's a white big. Those guys. But can I give you head. can I give you one more fun fact about Rick Barry in this draft? Yeah. Sure. Fun Fred Hetzel fact. He went to school at Landon in Bethesda, Maryland. Oh. Huh. And by there Justice you go. House. 
All right. That's it. That's all I got. Thank you guys for tuning in today. This has been Rick Barry and Fred Hetzel conquering the world. All right. We got through 10, 9, and 8. We all the same three players. Yeah. Seven. Seven. Who'd you guys have? Uh, seven. Yeah. I had Scotty Pippen. So did I. So did I. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, I think I, something. Yoni, I'm just saying you had him a little too low. Wow. <laughs> wow. I think some something unfortunate that's coming out of the last dance is that I wrote about this yesterday where when they're not talking a lot about the defense, they don't really emphasize just how dominant Scotty was. And I think Scotty's not coming off great in this. Where I think for people who aren't as informed, they'll sort of come away with their opinion about Scottie Pippen being, oh, he got a headache in 1990, set out the last play in 1994, and was a dick to Jerry Krause in 98. But Scottie's probably the greatest perimeter defender of all time. Yeah, the two things I want to add about Scottie, one positive, one negative. The positive would be that although, yes, he struggled without Jordan in his career, he did not struggle defensively. Like, he made 10 defensive first teams. Mm -hmm. Um. And the negative thing I'll say is that, like, people also say, oh, look how poorly they did um, without Jordan when he went to play baseball. And they're right. And according to reports, like, Scotty quit on the team. Oh, no, he did. It, it, have you watched the Last Dance episodes for no. this week? So yeah. it'll get they to that there. It, there's a very famous moment in that playoffs, but he called it the biggest mistake of his career and immediately regretted it. And that year, they he did bring that team to 55 wins. I mean, which was yeah, impressive. I mean, and even people forget in 2000, after he left the Bulls, he brought the Blazers within a coaching collapse in the fourth quarter and a blown 15-point lead of making the NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean, the last dance, just talking about that for a second, is just basically the Michael Jordan show where they yeah. kind of hate on a bunch of other players and then Scottie Pippen doesn't really get the credit he deserves. Yeah, it, so. I have a few problems with the last dance, but I mean, Scottie Pippen's better than he's given credit. In the- yeah. It, he, for most of his career, he was one of the five best guys in the NBA. Oh, like yeah. when I, they created yeah. the dream team, the first four guys were Magic Bird, Jordan, and Scottie. And then they were going to build from there. Yeah. And I mean, Scottie Pippen is the best number two option of all time. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, actually, the best or, number two I, option I guess, of all. We have a couple guys on our list who are higher number two options. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess on this list, but the, yeah, he was the perfect fit for Jordan. There, yeah. yeah, there are a few. I mean, yeah, like, yeah arguably I, Steph and Curry even. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, it's um, just two, few guys. But yeah, so that's move. the best dynamic duo of all time. Yeah, yeah. I don't it's know. Just, there's been so many great. It's just yeah. when I think of Curry, I don't really think like oh number two options. So it's just yeah. I'm with Yoni on that one. Like one A and one B. Exactly. Yeah. Like, well, like the difference is the difference is Durant was the number one on court option, but it was still Curry's team. Yeah. Um. Whereas, like in every sense, it was Jordan's team. Yeah, but that's because Durant signed there after Curry had won back-to-back MVPs. Right. But we'll get to Durant later. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. All right. Um. Number so, six, right? Yeah. So, Aaron. Yeah, number six. I've got uh, Hondo, John Havlicek. Ooh, that's that's yeah. a bit low. I have him higher. So do I. He probably deserves to be higher. And I'll be honest, this was probably the hardest of the positions for me because it was a lot of historical and I don't know much about them. So I just looked at some basic stats. Hondo definitely 
could be higher, and I don't probably don't know enough about him. But as oh, now, you will you pick. will know about him by the end of this podcast. I, I'm Do not worry. To hear about him. We will David. wait till I, wait till we get to John Havlicek on my list. At six, I have Doctor J. Yeah, I have Doctor J there too. All right. Um, at six, I have Elgin Baylor. Yeah, I have one. Yeah. one I have. I have, one, I have one. I have one higher. Yeah, Josh. Our lists are basically the same. I have yeah. Elgin at five too. Yeah, I have. I have Havlicek at five and Irving at four. Oh, that's a little high for. Well, I have Irving. Four, I too. think. I think I'd like. I'm very happy where I put Julius Irving. I, I think I mean, he changed. The, I think he was one of the first players, first of all, to change the NBA. Well, Elgin Baylor yeah, changed was, the NBA before Julius Irving did. Okay, but he was Julius Irving was the first player to really solidify the fact that the NBA and ABA had to merge because Julius Irving was the reason that there was a merge. First of all, he's also a four-time MVP, which is more is as many as LeBron. I mean, I. I'm not going to... Right, but an ABA MVP is not... Yeah. I mean, but then again, it was pretty good competition at the time. And it's it not was just fine. that, but it was, it, was, it was what the MVP meant and how, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I do feel like he was the first guy to really be, like, the, the dunker. Like, and that's one of the main things about NBA. Like, not the putting the ball in the hoop, but, like, the flashy dunks and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And so that's all I'm saying about Julius Irving. Yeah, and, I mean, I think the thing with Julius Irving is that he, in a sense, I think his game itself is a little overrated, where I've watched a couple of old games with those Sixers teams, and it was actually pretty easy to contain him once you got to a big game, because he really couldn't do much except get to the hoop. He didn't have a jump shot, and he didn't have a post game. So what teams would do is he would get the ball 18 feet away from the hoop, and they would stand five feet off him and direct him towards the middle of the court where their big men were, and he would sort of get passive and not assertive. Um, so, like, just game seven of 81 against the Celtics, which is the game I watched, he they would do that every possession, and he didn't really know how to respond. And I think with Elgin Baylor, I mean, he's just, I think, one of the greatest 20 players ever. I mean, he just goes back to when he played. He, but, I mean, the thing with Elgin Baylor is he was the first player who essentially based his game around getting to the hoop where him and Bill Russell were the two players who really based their games around playing around the basket. And Bill Russell is the center who did that with post-ups and, you know, rebounds. Whereas Elgin Baylor was the first sort of high flying forward where he was the first guy who based his game around, I'm going to get to the hoop. I'm going to finish through traffic. I'm going to dunk it over you. I'm going to shoot the floater. And that's why he, has 10 first teams, finished his career averaging a 27 and 13, has the record for most points in the finals game. I mean... His nickname is Mr. Inside. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things about Elgin, um, and this is just another thing that I learned from the book of basketball, Josh, and you can probably tell the story better, but when he was the army reserve. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. So Elgin Miller's a great guy. Like I I also... I also only had him one lower than where you did. Like, it's oh, yeah. Julius Irving. Maybe I don't think there's it. an issue yeah. with Elgin Baylor. Yeah. We all, we all agree on him. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, so, Elgin Baylor in 1962, he was called into the Army Reserves and was given a deal where he could leave to play games on weekends. Yeah. So, during the week, he wouldn't play any basketball. 
And then during the weekends, he would take overnight cross-country flights. He wound up playing in 48 games that year. And just coming into games rusty, he put up a 38 and 18.6. Yeah, it was. I read it last night, and yeah. it kind of turned out perfectly that today's pod was small forwards because I thought that would be just a fun story for people yeah. here, for those who haven't read the book. Yeah. It's and, one of the crazier stat lines. Yeah, and, and 44 and a half minutes a game. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to have to six and five then with Dr. J and Baylor. So I have Havlicek at four. Yeah, me too. All right. So, so ha- Havlicek, he, he has an incredible resume in itself. He's a 13-time All-Star. He has four first-team, second, seven second-team All-NBA, and he's a finals MVP. But John Havlicek might be the most durable athlete ever. It's – I just – Took a, I just, some from the book of basketball, some from basketball reference. Just, this is just, it's incredible. So, from 1970 through 1974, he played 43 minutes a game, averaging 25, 8, and 7 on 45% shooting, guarding the other team's best player without a three-point line and making four first-team All-NBAs. From 1966 through 1973, he missed four games and averaged 25, 8, and 6, averaging 40 minutes a game, making six All-NBAs with three first teams. And then in his entire 16-year career, he only missed 33 out of 1,303 regular season games. And that's with all these minutes he's playing every night in the regular season. And then in the playoffs, the numbers get even more absurd. In the 1969 playoffs, he set the record for minutes per game with over 15 games in the playoffs, where in 18 games he averaged 47.2 minutes per game for the playoffs, which is just absurd. Um, From 1969 through 1975 in the playoffs, he played 70 games, averaging 45 minutes a game, and a 25-7-6. and In the 1973 playoffs, they won 68 games, and he separated his shoulder in the Eastern Conference Finals and played two games left-handed. Um, in the 1974 finals, he played 281 out of 291, 289 out of 291 minutes and put up a 28, 8, and 5 and one finals MVP. And then in the 76 finals, he had an injured foot, which forced him to miss three games in the playoffs. And when he came back, the doctors recommended playing 25 minutes. And he played 58 minutes in game five and hit a game winner in double OT that should have won the game, and if not for a loophole in the NBA rules that the Suns found that helped them send the game to Triple OT. And in total in his career, he played 16 years, averaging all those minutes, plus another 172 playoff games where he only missed six in his career, playing two with a separated shoulder. And that's in an era when you don't have the conditioning they had yet, you're taking, connecting cross-country overnight flights, sitting middle row and coach. Instead of private team planes, you have bad team doctors. It's sort of just unimaginable, his durability, and the fact that playing that many games and that many minutes for that long, he was that productive. Can I just say a player who I think for sure is a little more durable? Yeah. And a more durable athlete at that, Will Chamberlain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I, right. everything you said was awesome. Right, I mean, I mean that one. Bro, thing no, I, right, right. I'm not saying he's the most. It's it's 
Just he was incredibly durable. And this was also at different points in his career, he's either the number one or two scoring option on his team throughout this stretch, but he's also guarding the best guy on the other team. Where like one thing I didn't mention in the sixty nine playoffs is that he averaged forty seven point two minutes per game and put up those numbers while also guarding Billy Cunningham, who made first team all NBA that year, and then Elgin Baylor in the finals. Like he was an elite defender, and he's one of those guys like Jerry West where the defensive numbers only became available once he passed his prime. And those numbers are still of those numbers are still incredible. Like his defensive rating is consistently below a hundred. Mm-hmm. And with the exception of the last year of his career, every time where the, every year in his career where they were giving out all defense, he made it, he was all defense every year and was first team five times. He's an eight-time all-defensive team. Yeah. Yeah. And there were nine years in his career which all defense was awarded, and the only time he didn't make it was the last year of his career. And just to add on, he's the, he's the Celtic all-time leader in points, games, minutes, and field goals. Yeah. He's, he's – I think he's really underrated. Just – I don't know. He's been lost. I mean, he's he's incredible. He's 34th in NBA history in minutes per game. He only led the league in minutes per game twice. Like, I think you're a little bit overrating. Like, yeah, it's cool that he played through injuries, but at the same time, like, he was injury prone. I mean, he doesn't – like, his career ranks the, – the only thing that he's really top 10 in is field goals attempted, and he's second in his career in field goals missed. I mean, I, he's 32nd career in games. He's never – he won one finals MVP, but I don't know. I think – I don't know. I'm not sure I would put him as high as you guys did. Also, yes, defensively, that's his strong suit. But in terms of, like, win shares, he's 39th all time, mm-hmm. which isn't bad by any means. Yeah. But, like, I'm just saying I think we're – or not we because I'm not. I think you guys are overrating him a little. That's all. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I just think when you add on the minutes he played in the regular season and the fact that, A – like I said, he was doing that in an era where, like, just everything was worse and careers were generally shorter. Like, that's just why Elgin Baylor, his knees gave out on him when he was 33 because, like, playing extended careers at that time period was harder because, like I said, the travel was ridiculous. You're playing back-to-back-to-backs where you're taking overnight flights and coach to different cities Um, like, and the medical personnel wasn't as good. The, there were no facilities. You had crappy locker rooms and were practicing on high school gyms. And like Bill Russell only played 13 years. And I think him having a 16 year career with another. Only 13 all-stars. Like not only, I'm just saying. Well, I mean, he, let's. 13 of 16 years, he was considered an all-star, and 11 right. of 16. Right, Julius Irving was considered an all-star every year he played in the NBA and every year he played in the ABA. Well, part of that in the NBA, I mean, his numbers declined. Part of that is because of the sort of you talked about it last podcast, the whole he's Dr. J thing. That's what um, I'm saying. But he's a, tra- ha- like, ha- he's a transcendent player, and Havlicek isn't. That's but that's that's just because Irving dunked the ball. Like, if you were to ask And me, I'm saying that's important. I guess I value that more that he yeah. changed the game. Um, and that's why I also agree that Elgin Baylor is amazing. Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not really arguing. I'm, I'm not trying to stand against John Havlicek. I'm just making more the case towards Julius Irving, just because that's my opinion. Mm-hmm. I just think that I mean, John Havlicek played 
16 years in the NBA and 11 of them, he was considered one of the best players in the league. Um, I mean, his PER is kind of bad. Yeah, PER. Look at that. PER does not support John Havlicek. And I mean, you're um, you're an advanced numbers guy. I do like PER, but um, I don't it, know. That's the thing I couldn't get over is in that era. Also, RIP to John Havlicek. Yeah. yeah, in that era, playing those types of minutes and what he did in the playoffs, where you're having a 16 year career with basically another two extra seasons of playoff minutes with which the intensity of it, but playoff basketball is like another two and a half or three years of regular season. Mi- plus the fact that he's playing just an absurd number of minutes, like just having, let's say the equivalent of an 18 year or 19 year career with that type of just infrastructure of the NBA is absurd to me. I hear you. Um, I just—I guess I just think you're overvaluing it a little. Uh, because yeah. the bottom line is every player that played in that era went through it. And, I mean, they right. put up some absurd numbers because, if we're being honest, the competition just wasn't as good. Right, but like I said, they also gave out early. I mean, Bill Russell played 13 years. Elgin Baylor was done by the time he was 33. And I mean, Wilt played till he was 36. Hondo till he was 37. Like, I'm not comparing Wilt and Hondo for any specific reason. It's just... It's just the whole athlete thing you brought up. Right. So then I have yeah. Wilt's page up. Josh, Josh, I think you might be overrating him a little much, but I, I agree with the four spot. I think you're just talking a little too highly. Right. right. I agree with that. You know I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not so, like, because, like, Julius Irving, John Havlicek, and Elgin Miller to me are a tier. Yeah, that's fair. And then maybe um, even Scotty Pippen, depending on how you look at it. So I'm not, I just think you're speaking of him a little too highly. Yeah. Like, it feels like to me you're making a new middle tier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. So should we move on to three? Yeah. It's yeah. not really that I'm making middle tier. It's just when when we do these things, I like to have one or two guys that I just do a deep dive on. No, I know you before do. the podcast, and that happens to be yeah. half a check for this one. And then usually yeah. I end up trying if I don't agree with it to find a way to disagree with it. Right. Like honestly, and it's not because I think it's wrong. I yeah. Just, I think it's good. If I had chosen Elgin Baylor for the deep dive, it would have been the same type of thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. All right. So top three. I assume we all have the same order. Yeah. Yeah. Durant three, Bird two, LeBron one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, eight, so what should we talk about here? I mean, um, does Durant have a chance to end up at second? We can talk no, about that. I don't. I don't think so. He has one less Finals MVP and one less ring. I mean, does a ring and a Finals MVP not get him close? I think a ring, a Finals MVP, and an MVP. I mean, don't doesn't Bird only have what three MVPs? I think, I think there's a big or difference even less. between. I think the the bigger difference between like numbers and awards is just like the type of player they were, and like I the think I the think game. once again I'll also I'll ask the same question I asked with Curry, if Durant gets another ring and a Finals MVP, does he become a top five or six player of all time? Well, what I'm going to say is first of all, I think Curry is further away than Durant is from Bird. And I thought it was realistic somewhat for Curry, but, like, I do see a scenario in which – and I know it's hard for Yoni as a Celtics fan um, where Durant like, – like, if he does win – if he wins two more finals, which just isn't out of the question, I think he will be better. Like, I think he'll be better regarded all time. That's my opinion, though. I think he also needs – He'll end up with more points. I mean, he'll end up with more win shares. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing against Larry Bird is sort of going back to the durability thing I talked about is it really didn't happen with him because Casey Jones was an incredibly incompetent coach who sort of destroyed both him and Kevin McHale's careers. 
where if you just look at the box scores of Celtics teams back then, there would be like random games in January against bad teams that happened to go to overtime where he played like 49 minutes. Or, yeah, he's, the, he's the Tom Thibodeau of that era. Yeah. Or they would they would win a game they would win a February game by you know twenty points and Berg would play forty two minutes like it was just randomly he would decide to just go all in and where like people would say that Casey Jones coached every game like it's a game seven and Berg basically spent the second half of his career playing through a bad back and McHale played through the broken foot. Yeah, I mean. I, I actually really do think there's a scenario where Durant ends up as a set. Like, it's really not as far away as I feel like you think it is, Yoni, to be honest with you. Other than the fact that I don't see Durant matching Bird's three MVPs, because I see best-case scenario he gets a second. Um, yeah. The bottom line is he'll end up with many more All-Stars. He'll end up with more All-NBA. He'll end up uh, – presumably he'll end up, you know, with more – he already has more win shares. So, Or no, he's four away. But he'll end up with more win shares. His PR rate now for his career is higher. He's one of he's like he can't really do it because of how many free throws he's already taken and like he's very close to 50 40 90 for his career at the insane volume that he does that. He averages 27 points a game in a thousand games basically where Larry Bird averaged 24. Like I really don't think it's that far away. Yeah, well, I mean, I th- if you want to just look at stats, Bird has 24 10 6 and then KD is 27 7 4. And I, I just think Bird's championships are more valuable to his career than Durant's. Right, I oh, mean, that's, that's like, yeah. Bird's one of the, just the best big game players ever. I mean, Bird, I think I that, feel like Durant, I've, I've talked so highly about Durant in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I love Durant, but I think, I think Bird reached a point in his career where I don't know if we've reached it yet with Durant, and really the only guy I've ever seen this be the case with in my life watching basketball is LeBron, where they're taking a last second shot at the end of the game and you have a bigger reaction if they miss it because the exciting buzzer beater is what's expected by that point. Oh God, there was one story in the book of basketball that right. we were talking about, like that three point shot. Oh God. Yeah. Like 87 like game four, three- 87 yeah. game four against the Lakers after the magic sky hook. Exactly. Yeah. It was like, he, he missed the three. It was like, I don't even know how far it was. Yeah. But it was like everyone was expecting him to make it because that's just what Bird was. Yeah. There there was a sense of invincibility around Bird that I don't know Durant will ever reach. Well, what I will say, though, is in terms of just playoff numbers, Durant's are as good, if not better, than Bird's. Right. I, I mean, mean, I'm just because he has a few less games, yes, but he'll probably get there. Bird averages 23 points, uh, six and a half assists, 10 rebounds, whereas Durant averages 29 points in the playoffs for his career, which is absurd um, to go along with four assists and eight rebounds. I mean, Durant, Durant's, first of all, to me, Durant's the best scorer I've ever watched just because he's he has all the talent with that size, length, and height. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I will say that Bird's defense was far better than Durant's. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I, like, and once again, I mean, I think that right now it's it's Bird for sure. I'm just saying, I don't think it's un- inconceivable. Yeah, I hear it sound this way, but it also, what favors Kevin Durant is now that he's left the West and come to the East, he's more likely to get chances at finals appearances. That's not really true anymore. I mean, the East, East is, is really, good. Yeah. The East is really good now. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, the Bucks have, the Bucks 
I've hated on the Bucks, but like they're a good and if team, and if Giannis stays, should yeah. be championship contenders for the foreseeable future. Phillies the Celtics a, should be as well. Celtics should really? be. Phillies yeah. a competent coach away from being one. The Raptors should. Yeah. Uh, Raptors. Raptors are the Raptors. opposite of Sixers. If you swap Nick Nurse and Brett Brown, the Raptors yeah. are a lottery team and the Sixers are champions. I don't know if the Raptors are a lottery team. They're a fringe playoff team. Um, Which is a lottery team. They're a yeah. magic. Um, but I think sort of one point in support and one point against CCME is that with Bird, um, I think with Bird more than Durant, Bird was a guy who could affect a game sort of going beyond the numbers where just the way those Celtics teams played like Burr would get so many hockey assists, um, and he's probably. What does that mean? Where he would, yeah. it's the assist to the assist where pass you, assist? where right, you break down the defense and make a pass that sort of leads to the point. But those Celtics teams were so unselfish that they would make the one extra pass to get the easier bucket. Josh, um, just quickly interjecting, the issue is you're like the equivalent of a one percenter in terms of your NBA knowledge. And so the average person or even a, a well above average, like NBA historian, I don't think thinks like that would think, well, like if Durant ended up with similar stats and like better numbers that anybody would be like, well, Larry Bird had many passes to assist. That well, no, but that, that, no, that's think- sort of just an example. I think whenever a discussion about Larry Bird comes up, something that is always talked about is how, he didn't always score every night. He would, but he would always be the best player on the floor and he would always find a way to affect the game. Like he could have a game where he put up a 17, 17 points, 11 rebounds and eight assists, but his presence would be felt on every possession and he would be the best player on the floor throughout the night. You like, don't feel he, like Durant has that impact? I think Durant's impact most comes from scoring, not doing other things where I feel like, you can much more with Durant look at a box score and tell what type of game he had, whereas that's not necessarily the case for Larry Bird. Um, huh. And I think... It's interesting. I agree with that. Um, and I think another thing with Larry Bird is just some of the stories from him are kind of incredible. Like, he would get bored by winning. Like, there was one game where he... It was the last game of a long yeah, West Coast road trip. Yeah, those stories are yeah, and he said, game. "Yeah, I'm going to play this game left-handed." And then in the first three quarters, he scored 27 points left-handed. Before he switched back for the fourth quarter, there was another time where yeah, he told somebody where what exactly what he was going to do. Right. Well, it happened. Yeah. It happened twice. Where once, yeah. but at the same time, I'm not sure that can also be spun into a negative thing. In my opinion, I don't think it is. But I can totally see people saying, like, that's it's just kind of lazy and kind of a dick move. Could someone also, but, I mean, Sammy, do you think I mean, someone it, could also say that just shows, like, that he played at, like, a time where talent was, I guess you could say. No, like, I mean, it was talent, I don't out. No, it's Maybe been. Say that, but I think it's one of the most I, I disagree. I would, not, I've I'm talked not, about yeah. it I wasn't on the. Saying, Josh, I wasn't saying that's how I feel. I was saying, could the Sammy think that could be another argument made? That's all I was saying. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I personally don't think so, but I mean. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think right. someone making that argument, if you were to make that argument, it sort of just shows, like, we try to be as objective as possible when comparing cross eras and making that argument sort of I've just I've made it shows... clear that I think that the the more modern the era, the better, other than the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I that's think. That's kind of my thing. I think. I agree with you. 
where like I talked about it on the um Warriors Bulls podcast where like the late eighties and early nineties is one of the best eras in NBA history. And like Bird was sort of at the top well, of that. You, yeah, you talked about it like how it corresponded with like the college basketball. Yeah, and it's the one time in NBA history where there really hasn't been an expansion dip. Um Do you think that the NBA is ever gonna see thirty two teams? I don't know. I feel like this coronavirus situation hurts that. Because I would have seen a situation about 2025 when the salary cap just gets too big and players are making too much money. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, but probably later. Yeah, I still wouldn't be surprised it would happen now because of the whole G League thing and the fact that there's so much talent. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Oh. Also, my favorite bird story is the three-point contest. Yeah, where he he just tells everyone he's gonna win, he, and then he doesn't even take off his jacket for the three-point yeah. contest. Yeah, it's an icon. Yeah, he walked into them. He walked into the dressing room before, and looked around at everyone. Yeah, like, and so, and someone asked him, like, "What are you doing?" And he said, "I'm trying to figure out which one of you is coming in second. Yeah, and there's also an incredible game. Remind me of Davis Breton. <laughs> <laughs> where it's just a random game in January against the Hawks, and he just goes off that night, and he scored 60, and he's making these incredible shots. And this is a clip that is mandatory YouTube viewing. The Hawks bench just starts going absolutely crazy with every shot that he makes. Like, they're just going nuts, not giving a shit that their team is getting destroyed. And then the next day in film session, their coach did not show one film of Larry Bird. And it it was just, he was showing the guys celebrating. And he's like, you guys embarrassed the team. That was a disgusting, (laughs) that was, that was a disgusting display last night. That's hilarious. I didn't, I've never heard that. Yeah, you just, just look up the Larry Bird 60 point game against the Hawks. And by the time you get to the fourth quarter, quarter you'll just see with every shot there are like three or four guys on the hawks bench who are just going crazy it's hilarious should we talk for a second about lebron i mean yeah why not you know he's a pretty good basketball player maybe one day maybe maybe one day that guy will make it yeah (laughs) could he could go pro yeah Yeah. do we say lebron's his own tier yeah like i I don't think I, I would say well, yes yeah. because I would say right. Time. I would say yeah, Jordan exactly. and LeBron is its own tier. No, I'm not exactly. I, I was just wondering if any of you thought that Larry Bird deserved to be in like a LeBron tier. Well, I mean, it's, it's we're not, not particularly close in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, agree. I don't want to get ahead of my, ourselves just because we're gonna do it. We're gonna end up doing like top third or fifteen all time players. Yeah, fifteen to fifty is what 15, we're at yeah, right now. We're doing. But I mean, there's Bird. There's I mean, like personally, I have like Bird. Like I'm not too far off from those Jordan and LeBron, but it's easily... Right, I mean, I'm going to have Bird in the 4-6 to range, probably. Also, Josh, as it turns out, um, it was... it was LeBron who had the most consecutive All-NBA first teams. Yeah. Um, Also... I I saw a different thing about it. Larry Bird's my guy in 2K. That is true. That's... Yes. You should get Larry Bird jersey, Josh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would consider it. I love Larry Bird. Yeah. It I I, I every <laughs> few months I just when I'm bored I queue up Larry. I actually just did it earlier today because like the NBA posted it on its Instagram, just a full queue of Larry Bird highlights. Did you enjoy it? I very much enjoyed it. I'm happy to hear that, Josh. I like when you enjoy things. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> wow, 
what a moment. You guys are so weird. <laughs> Does that surprise you, Yoni? I prefer when Yoni's unhappy. Yoni, Yoni's, wow. Yoni rooms with us for almost a month. All right. Yoni, what was that like? <laughs> all right, we'll save that for <laughs> We can have a sit-down interview on it. It'll be a whole thing. Okay, so should we wrap this up then? Yeah, Aaron, wrap it up. Okay, Um. well, tomorrow is watchable wednesday it's no longer a secret what we're watching we are watching game six of the 2013 nba finals uh then thursday uh is open mic monday on thursday oh no no i knew what i was saying this time thursday edition there's yeah thursday edition um i have something i want to bring up i know josh is gonna have we we have time on postponed yeah josh do you want to tell everyone what it's about or no Yes. It, well, no, let me drop another hint. Let's just say if you're thinking 1849, you're on the right track. Okay. <laughs> um, that takes us to Friday. We're doing Power Fords, top 15 all time. Then Saturday, we've got our Saturday sit-down with the guest, uh, TVA. TBD. TBD. Because we don't know if we're doing it. Yeah. And then Sunday is the... Sam, did I get that right? Uh, you were cutting in and out, but it's just to make sure that if you were cutting out, uh, it's NFC predictions way Thank too you, early. Sammy. That is exactly one. what I was going for. Yeah. And that wraps up our week in general. Um, other than that, make sure to check out floaterpod.com. New articles going up. Uh, I'm doing my NBA mock draft 2.0 now way too early since we don't know when the draft's going to be. And um, classic. also check out the Flutter Pod on Instagram. Anything else? Or, Sammy, you want to give us your three final takes as usual? Well, first of all, Yoni, question for you. Oh, yeah. What's Answer. LeBron's middle name? What's LeBron's middle name? Yeah. You know, Michael Jeffrey Jordan, Kobe Bean Bryant. What's LeBron's uh, middle name? I don't know. What's Josh? I don't think he has one. Uh, Aaron? Um... Yeah, LeBron's like, middle like name is Ramon yeah. or Ramon. It is definitely. What did you just look that up? Yeah, yeah. What? That's no, I, I can't tell if that's sarcasm. Okay, yep, LeBron, Ramon, James, Senior. and so I think it's fine that we just call him LBJ for now. <laughs> yeah. All right. So other than that, I will get my final three takes, which are of course to stay home, stay safe, and stay loyal.